with the other band, I'd be sort of trying to fit that certain sort of breakdown in there for it to fit within the genre. But with this, I didn't have to. And it just felt a lot more free and a lot more comfortable. But then, like you were saying, it was challenging as well. And I wanted to make those at the best of my ability. Hi, welcome back to the Headbangers podcast, where you host Nathan and Brad. Today is Braddon from Expressionless, X Maline. How are you doing, man, start off with? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Not, yeah. a, not a problem. I'm excited. I'm excited to have one of my best mates on, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, let's roll. Uh, yeah, so I want to kind of jump in. Imagine maybe probably Nathan might know a few of these stories, but could you tell us your best, worst, or funniest tour story? Um, choose funny. Yeah, I'll choose funny. I think I told Nathan this the other night. Yeah, um, I think I think you did on Saturday. I think it was when I was playing with Malign UK um, when we supported Black Tongue and Love in the Kiev Club in Leeds. That was a dope show. Oh, thank you. I had proper long hair at that point. It was like way down past my shoulders and I was headbanging and I, head, like, I threw my head down and all my hair just went in my mouth. Like oh. I turned around and just did the biggest gag on stage. I had to like pull <laughs> it all out. <laughs> And that were awful. Uh, we never actually went on a proper tour, so I don't have any actual tour stories. Um, other story, uh, we once supported annotations of an autopsy in uh, Nottingham. And we started that, in, uh, that set with an intro and we're all just, uh, energy went up, we're all jumping about. And I stamped straight through my cable and snapped it in half oh, right shit. before we'd even played a single song. Uh, so I had to quickly unplug that and plug it back in no nah, that <laughs> to go back to what you said about having long hair that's fucking annoying especially it's when you eat as well and it gets stuck in your mouth you're like, <laughs> you like swallow pieces of your hair and it's like fuck's sake yeah, but same, brad, same with the beard could, as well brad brad you could just tie it up <laughs> yeah but sometimes no, like when you're about. eating when i had long hair i would tie it up whenever i'd eat i do usually but like you know if you're out and about and you don't have a bubble on you you kind of don't have a choice yeah. <laughs> to be honest the beard's worse like the beard when that like, gets a bit longer and it gets stuck in my mouth hate that yeah, not no, the one I, I, no like I hate when you get food in it and then you get like that, that fucking residue oh. it's all like aged you're like Can't it. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to ask you about uh, Shark Circle as well what uh, made you want to start doing Shark Circle like as a, as a brand and what, what was the inspiration behind it yeah, so I was uh, I was in uni. I think it was my first year of uni when I started that. And basically, growing up, I just used to love buying T-shirts, whether it was from bands at gigs or online or from skateboarding brands. Like I just used to love getting new T-shirts. And I just sort of, I had a few ideas in my head or themes of stuff that I just sort of, why not make my own? So the first run of T-shirts I did... Um, that was just sort of a t-shirt that I wanted to wear myself. And then other people sort of started buying that and sort of carried on from there. So it's always just been sort of making the sort of stuff I want to wear, which is cool. And it's just like a bonus that other people want to support that. Cause obviously then I, I can't do it without people supporting it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, I'm wearing mine right now. <laughs> Represent. I love those but, little uh, skateboards that you do as well. Like I noticed them. I was like, that's, that's a cool piece of merch that like nobody else is doing. Yeah, I saw them advertised online by the company that makes them, and I just couldn't resist. Just had to straight away order them. That's all. Wait, uh, are we expecting like a another drop with that chart circle soon? Then uh, probably. I don't have anything like any designs ready to go or anything yet, but I've got an idea that um, I don't really want to spoil yet. But I've got an artist in mind to do that. So hopefully in the next couple of months, and then the expression that's merch will be coming out through that as well probably fairly soon awesome stuff also i want to kind of ask us you know going from like malign into expressionless like what's like the biggest difference in the experiences like i know that you do expressionless by yourself which must be a big one but is there anything else that like struck to you most um the other sort of main difference were the way that the songs were recorded uh basically all the parts that i recorded it was just done by myself in my bedroom whereas for um, the first uh, Stand Your Ground EP, we went to their studio for that. So it was sort of a big difference sort of 
doing it myself at home. Uh, Time's Up was done the same way as the Expressionless stuff where we also sort of recorded that ourselves at home because that was through lockdown as well. Um, so yeah, it was funny just shouting into my wardrobe with my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> was it fun then? Like, you know, being, you must get like a big sense of freedom, just like doing whatever you want. And I think it shows through the EP as well, because there's so many different influences. Like you get to like one of the other tracks, it's just like a massive fresh beat. And then there's got like, you know, different like hardcore influences, like, it, I always think like if I was that like, musically talented, I'd love to do something by myself because I've just got so many different influences I want to put into the same song. Yeah, thank you. Um, so with the expressionless stuff, because obviously I was still in uh, Milan, UK at the time when I started doing that, uh, it was sort of songs that I just wrote, not trying to fit into the sort of genre that Milan is sort of setting. So I wanted to just sort of not have those boundaries to sort of fit it into. So that's where sort of some of my other influences sort of start coming through because I listen to metalcore, hardcore, deathcore, beatdown. Uh, I can't even think of any other genres off the top of my head right now. But to me, when I listen back to it, there's a bit of all of that in there, which I couldn't really do when I were writing stuff for Mulan UK. Absolutely. But, yeah. What would you say has been like the biggest benefit to you as like a musician from writing it all yourself? Do you feel like you've like sort of expanded as a musician being like, oh, now I know like what I can do and then like feeling like you can challenge yourself a bit more as well? Yeah, definitely. It was uh, probably a split between challenging and comforting, doing it all by myself. Um, There were bits that I got other people to help me with, like all the drums that you hear. They were all uh, Austin, who was the ex-drummer of mine, UK. He helped me sort them out just because I don't have a lot of drum talent. And uh, same with recording the bass, because I didn't have a bass with me through lockdown. Um, and then he threw backing vocals on as well. But writing the actual songs themselves, because I I can still program the basic drum beats that I wanted through those sections. Uh, it were a lot of freedom just to sort of, for example, with the other band, I'd be sort of trying to fit that certain top sort of breakdown in there for it to fit within the genre. But with this, I didn't have to, and it just felt a lot more free and a lot more comfortable. But then like you were saying, it was challenging as well. And I wanted to make those at the best of my ability. So mm. for example, the fire you lit um, is probably the most technical song on that EP. And just recording that and writing those riffs, I was struggling to play it all the way through at first. And then just through practice, it were it was challenging, but also comforting, if that even makes sense. Yeah, no, like it, for me, I, I was proper blown away when I heard it. Because I remember when you sent me it and you're like, don't show anyone. And like, <laughs> I was like, I listened to it and I was like, fucking hell. I was so excited for you to release it because I knew it was going to do really well. Um, and it was like an extra bonus. It was like, oh, one of my best mates fucking made this. Like, it was like, it was really good listening to it because I got to see like, like sort of all of your thought process as a musician rather than just like like what was you know like at that point before my line like I got to see like your range of it and like I was like oh my fucking god he's like he's worked I, I thought he really should be proud of it because like I was proud for you <laughs> thank you so much it's like the best way to see like what a musician's capable of like when the, everything is themselves like there's no other people influencing what they're doing like and I think that's when some of the most interesting work comes out yeah really. and in terms of like the the concepts of the ep lyrically then like what influenced you with that um you know what was going through your mind when you were creating the stories for it yeah um a lot of the themes of the lyrics are all sort of quite negative really but um that was more of sort of an outlet through the sort of tougher times in lockdown and stuff like that but um there's no such thing as certainty which is the title track of the ep like none of the songs are really from my perspective, but some of them were sort of relatable when writing them. Uh, for example, the title track is obviously about grief if you look at the lyrics and that's something I went through through lockdown. And then the other tracks sort of roots is about being put in a situation where you're sort of trying to get up to the top, but you keep getting pushed back to the bottom and it's sort of, you're trying it again. Uh, and the sort of the themes like that and then it stays the same is about just it's time for change with certain things there were no sort of 
set events that influenced those, but there was sort of themes that I came up with in my head and wrote along with. But see, that was pretty much the first time I've ever done vocals too, or written lyrics. Uh, I used to do backing vocals live when we played with Malign UK, but I'd never really recorded myself or anything. I've never had lessons or don't have proper technique or anything. So it was just me trying to do what I could. So we're all just a big learning curve, really. Um, but yeah, just vocal technique-wise, I've got my microphone and started shouting at it. But to be fair, like, you've, you've always done like vocals when we've like hung out and that, when you've got like a bit pissed when you've oh, been doing like... No, you fucking... <laughs> you, you can't even say, no, you, you have done. And I've always thought they've been all right. Yeah, I mean, I thought they were, I thought they were good. Like you've always done it when we when we've been chilling out, which is why I, I, I when I heard your vocals for the first time, I was like, yeah, I, I knew they were going to be good because like I've I sort of I've heard you do them. I'm like, you should. I always thought, why didn't Brad, why doesn't Braddon do more of his vocals? Because I did I did think you were genuinely really good at them. Yeah, it's weird because obviously I've tried learning loads of times, and I know for a fact that I've not got the proper technique down or anything. Um. So it's a good job I've not got any big tours lined up or anything because it'd be bad. But I just went for it. Yeah. So just what, throw yourself into it. Like, you know, you could sit there and think, oh, I'm not good enough to do this. Um, but the fact that you just threw yourself into it, like that's how you learn the most, I imagine. Like you can watch as many tutorials as you want, but if you're not out there practicing and just saying, fuck it, I'll just do it, then you're not going to progress. So that's the best thing you could have done. Yeah, definitely. And then... Austin, like I said, he recorded some backing vocals. And going back to what I was saying about shouting into my wardrobe, uh, he sent me a picture once he had his laptop and his microphone set up under an ironing board with a blanket on <laughs> 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 and stuff. It's all been funny and DIY. You know what? It does like it does sound really good. Like the mix sounds fucking terrific. Like everything sounds like really really up to par with like a lot of like i think like bigger bands mixing like it, it stands with it stands with it like it does sound super professional and it's still got like a bit of like a um, grit to it like like it's it because it's it's obviously you you're not holding back with like what you're doing like it sounds fucking like it sounds fresh yeah if you get me it sounds like you know like you, you're really going for it and you you've put 100 percent into it which is good yeah the songs are all mixed by a guy called uh, Peter and he basically approached me after I posted I think I posted a teaser before anything were done and it was just a, a demo of the expressionist track the first one that came out and I just posted a bit of that on Facebook and it wasn't mixed properly or anything and he messaged me because um, he, he went to the same uni that I went to and he basically said um, do you want me to sort of mix your songs I can't remember exactly what he said but I ended up sending him the stems to that track and then he sent me it back and I was like yeah <laughs> <Do it." laughs> you know it, it sounds it sounds mint man like as well like we can't, uh, with the merch drops you've been you've been putting out with like X Maline as well as like expressionless would you say like I know we kind of touched on it but with, with the Sharks circle stuff would you say you feel like merch is such a big importance to, to bands would you say that it's probably one of the be biggest it's definitely um like with context and malign uk is definitely the sort of one of the only things that ever brought money in which mm. gets, um which keeps stuff afloat but uh with uh, malign uk i was doing that through shark circle so um the last merch shop we did with the embroidered uh it had the embroidery on the hood and the chest uh, we all chipped in with that, whereas before I were doing that through Shark Circle myself. Um, so that last one, the money sort of went back into the band, and I think that went to, towards recording Times Up and like that were after, so it covered the cost of Times Up. Um, but it is definitely important for bands. Um, I feel like that's where some of the identity comes from as well. Obviously, the songs are important, but then you choose the merch you want to wear because you like the songs and you want to look like you like that band. Obviously, don't quote me on that because I'm not everyone does, but that's, yeah, that's really important to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I think like fashion is so important, you know, in like heavy genres and people don't realize it. And the bands that don't put a lot of effort into the t-shirts and the, you know, the merch, like you can tell because they don't get, they only get to a certain level. Like you said, the fans want to feel like they can join in and like kind of look like them. Like, 
yeah, a lot of bands don't realize it, but it's so important and so significant for like growth of a band. Because also like the, the way that you design the merch is like, it's very fashionable. It's like something that people could wear as casual gear, as opposed to like a band t-shirt. You could say that's a band t-shirt. It's just obvious from the get-go. So there's definitely a difference between the two. Yeah, I know with the last hoodies we did where it was just a little embroidery, um, we wanted something that was a bit, not obviously it's not smart because it is still a band hoodie, but it's more smarter than big all over splattery logo, which I do love still. I'm not not hated on that, but... Mm. Yeah. Definitely. It's important to like sort of look at it like a, almost like it, like a brand. Because like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people just go, eh, we're a band, we'll just do what everyone else does. But like, I think that you sort of like look at it like a brand and go, okay, this is like quite an important thing. It does need to sell. People need to like it. I feel like a lot of bands neglect that part of it. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of everything. It's like I by no means do everything perfectly with it, but sort of the merch advertises the band and then the band advertises the merch. So it all works together. Yeah, it all kind of like feeds into each other. Like if you've got good merch and you've got good tracks, like you can you can kind of get quite far. Because I always find like the first thing people talk about when they talk about bands normally is either the track or go, did you see the new merch that they just released? Yeah, I mean, like it's always yeah. either one of the two. Especially when it's someone like me that wants to buy all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit addictive for sure. Yeah, no, you've you've got like the I think easily like the biggest merch collection out of anyone that I know, really. You reckon? Oh no, I I do I honestly do because like I always see you with a new like band hoodie every time I see you. That's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good thing. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> So what's been like your biggest challenge then with Expressionless so far? Has you, have you come across anything that like made the process a lot harder? Um, one thing was sort of when I dropped the first track, I wanted a nice video to go along with it. Uh, and same again with the full EP. And even if it wasn't a music video, I wanted the sort of stream video on YouTube to look professional but I didn't have the money because it was just me covering it all. I didn't have the money to pay someone to do that. So with that first music video um, that was shot by my housemates on my phone uh, when it was snowing. And then I edited that myself on iMovie on my MacBook. Uh, so by no means professional. Uh, and obviously there's a lot of room for improvement on it, but it's sort of, I hope I got the job done with it. And then same when the EP came out, I wanted... Well, I just love to have a music video because that whole process is fun. Well, do you know who can help you out with that? Me. <laughs> I'll give you a discount. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Me and Ed want to do like a sort of a little photography, videography sort of business. I'll do it for like bands and other companies and stuff. So yeah, we'll give a mate rate if you ever want a music video and some photography doing. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah, that was definitely the main challenge for sort of money to do the stuff that I couldn't do so then I had to sort of learn the basics myself but in that short time frame it wasn't enough to do anything special feels like you've like really learned a lot this year like just all these sort of things but the more you can do things DIY like does save you a lot of money instead of like asking somebody else he's got another people on you yeah. yeah I feel like so many people like end up spending so much money who are in bands like, like if they don't know how to do like graphics design, photography, like it all adds up if if you don't have like a member in the band that knows how to do it. Like it really does add up. Yeah. For Just sure. yeah, especially time and money. If you don't have the time to do it or you don't have the money. Oh yeah. It it it, it that's like I think that's the biggest killer for most people when it comes to music. Like I know so many people that have been all right at doing oh, great at doing music, but never had the time or never had the money. And then, like, it just ended up falling flat for him. Um, what, like, what would you say is the writing process like for Expressionless? Where does it start? Do you normally have, like, a riff in your head or, like, a couple of lyrics? Like, what sort of, like, comes first for you? Is it, like, a mixture of them? It is the most inconsistent thing ever. Basically, I'll, uh, I'll go for months without writing a single thing or having any ideas, and then... I'll just get a spark or an idea one day and I can do like two or three songs in a day. Um, and it was the same with the lyrics, really. Um, I sort of, sometimes I'll get a riff in my head 
and I'll record that down. And then when I'm recording that, it'll like come into my head about how I can carry that on or I'll get an idea for a breakdown that I'll record and then record the bits before and after. Um, but it's very sort of all over the place. Like it's not consistent. But then one of the tunes, I got like a, a vocal melody in my head and I wanted to build the riff around that. Um, so I did it that way that time. But even staying with the lyrics, I, I, I was trying to write lyrics for songs for ages and days and even weeks without writing anything. And then all of a sudden I'd write two songs in one day and I'd be like, where did that come from? But yeah, I, there isn't really a process. It just... <laughs> bit random really. that's the thing though like most of the time like it just you sit there and you're like i have an idea and like you you just end up doing it but then like i find some days when i might try to like write lyrics like like everyone at rain eyes gets so annoyed with how long it takes me to write lyrics because it'd be like a month and they'll be like why are those lyrics done yet i'm like because i haven't thought of anything yet oh i'll have so i'll have like I'll have like four different notes all with the same sort of similar lyrics. But then I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like that. And I'm like sat there like trying to piece together like a track out of it. And like, I'll literally sit there for ages just staring at my screen like going, what do I put? <laughs> it's just shit like that. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't relate to like the lyric writing because I've never written any lyrics. But in terms of like when I want to make like a short film, I've been for two years, I've been trying to think of ideas and I'll try and sit myself down like, right, we're going to think of an idea right now. And it never fucking works like that. You can't force inspiration. It's got to come to you. And like one day I was out having some pints with my last and I was like, oh, my God, I just thought of this idea. Then you like bounce off each other and then she'll be thinking of ideas. I'll be thinking of ideas. I was like, then I've got a story. So I need to write it still. But like you definitely can't force inspiration; it just comes. Like even it can even be like a life scenario that it pops up, and you're like, "Oh shit, I'll write about that." That's the way yeah. it is. And then the process, like from start to finish, I'd demo out the riff or the drum beat that comes in my head, um, and then I'd record the, then do vice versa, like drew the guitars to the drums or drums to the guitars, and then I'd send that to Austin, who were gonna improve the drums for me. Um, a lot of the time, or not a lot, of, but some of the time I'd have an idea in my head of sort of exactly how I wanted to sound like. So then we'd be on a Zoom call and I'd be like trying to explain it, which me as a drummer trying to explain that were kind of painful sometimes. But and then... Yeah, no, it is impossible when you, you don't really, you, you, you're like, you know what you want them to sound like, but you don't have to describe drums where you're there. Like, I want to be like, do, 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 And like, every yeah, drummer's yeah. looking at you like, what, like this? And you're like, nah. Not like that. <laughs> yeah, and then we get this sort of complete track and then eventually Austin would be able to record the bass for me. Uh, I need to get a bass at some point. I can do it all myself. But And then I get it sent over to Peter. I, I did have the... I had three tracks done before Christmas last year and then I sent them off. But then I told Peter not to do them because I wanted to change loads of bits to them because I'd got different ideas in my head and then go on a few months and it's finally out. So <laughs> you're a long process. But... Is there any like songs that you wrote that didn't make it to the EP? Yeah, there were one which, yeah, because like I was saying, I'll go ages without writing and then I'll smash them out. The ones that I just do quickly aren't necessarily all good. Um, I did one and I sent it to Austin and then he listened to it and then I listened to it. And then later on the same day, I was like, yeah, that's not that good. Um, can't remember how that one goes really without going and finding it, but it, there's loads that I didn't make the cut, or loads of sections or lyrics that got cut out. Mm. Do you have any yeah, like no, plans like... then to uh, take Expressionless on tour? Then, like, would you get like a band together to play your songs? Like, is that in the works, or is that something that you thought of yet? Yeah, I've got a gig booked next February in Leeds, and the plan for that is uh, Austin that helped me write the drums. Um, he said he'd be able to play drums for that. So he's on drums. And then I've just got a couple of friends that I'll be able to fill in on guitar and bass. Um, and then that's not a set lineup by any means. If I get any other gigs, I have to sort of find a band for each one. That's fair. I mean, it would be interesting though as well, like, because like obviously live, like the amount, like different musicians will just have different playing styles. So it might, it will, it will probably add like some really cool aspects to it as well. Like, as well seeing different personalities all together 
like each time would add a really really cool thing about the live scenes that like part of it as well yeah hopefully that'd be well cool i don't really have any plans to sort of make it a proper band that has the sort of same lineup and that's just because i sort of wanted to keep it a sort of solo project just so you've got the freedoms with times or i don't even know how to explain it but when you're in a band and you've got sort of deadlines you need to get music out by this certain time or stuff like that like with my writing style how it's a bit hit and miss sort of it's difficult to do that sometimes so I like with this how it's just going to have the sort of freedom where I can do it when I want to do it or I hope this isn't the case but that might be the first and last EP that I do through it or anything like that but I definitely want to carry it on but no it, it, I, I you know what though I, I completely get what you mean with like wanting to do your own solo stuff though like because I think we talk, spoke about on Saturday when when Siobhan like I think you take band stuff too seriously to me and you're like but the thing is until it's perfect in Nathan's head it's never going to be one why he wants it to be to be released and I, I always I think like I probably relate to you with that where it's like oh when you I think when you're with bands and you're with constantly with other people you've got to also fit around their schedule and sometimes it, you know, like it's great, but it also gets annoying, especially when like you're there, like and you're writing, and you're like, oh, I want to release this, but it's like, oh, we can't because so and so's got work that day. What about that that day? Oh, we can't because I've got work that day. And it's it's just like a constant back and forth where you you feel like you're like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's better to be your own boss. Like you live by your own timescales. Like you, you, there's no one telling you you have to do it by this time. You know, you can sit and write when you want. You can do the guitars when you want and even just picking the lineup like you know you don't have to pick anyone to like write for you you know no one has to interfere with the writing process you just get people that you want that'll come out and play your songs which is to be honest it's probably the, the best way to do a band yeah it's, it, it does have its downsides uh, compared to being in a full band uh, for example even though you've got the sort of freedom with the writing process in if you're in a band and you write this song or structure or whatever and then a bandmate says no i'd prefer that if it were changed at first you're probably always going to not like that idea because you, you don't want to change your own thing but sometimes that can be for the best and so if for example i can't i don't know any examples because i'm not it's not a band but some of the songs that have just been released they could have had bits that were better that other people might have spotted but it's sort of the balance of it really isn't it? that's the difference between a band and a solo project yeah, it's like you always like it, it's it's always like you sort of have to filter you. We're not filter yourself, but then look at it objectively. That's it's weird trying to remove the personal aspect of it and like going, oh, how can I improve this sort of thing? Yeah. Like it's hard to remove yourself from that thought process because you're like, I fucking love it, I made it. But then like I imagine it's it's just like, oh, but take a step back. What can I improve on it? And then it, once you get to that moment, you're like. There's nothing I can think of, then it, then it's it's perfect in your eyes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely a balance. So, I do have like an off-topic question for you. Um, you mentioned on social media on your personal a while ago that you're a big fan of Crash Twin Sanity, which I am as well. I think it's deeply underrated. So, explain why you love it so much and why you think it's underrated classic. That is just the Crash Bandicoot game that holds the most nostalgia to me. I remember playing it on my PlayStation Two, and I played it again a few years ago on the PlayStation 2 and that version that I were playing, it didn't have any of the main bugs or glitches that people complained about online. So it didn't really have many negatives. I loved how it was more, it wasn't free roam, but you had that sort of more free roam bit about it. I just loved it all. I loved the themes of it. I loved the music or the soundtrack is the yeah, best for sure. No, it's so underrated. And then when people share it, I'm just like, but it's so good. Like, I, I did remember playing it again, like, a few years ago, but I never remembered it being so hard. Like, when I was younger, I used to smash it, like, completed it, like, four times in a row. And I played it, like, yeah, two years ago, and it was so hard. Like, it's like, fucking hell. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, and I don't know if you've played the most recent one. That, yeah, incredible. I that, like, 100%, almost impossible to me. Yeah, I was, like, nervous. I was like, can they do a sequel, like, fucking 20 years along and is it going to be as good but like they actually they made it feel like an original crash bandicoot game but it felt different at the same time to be classed as a new one so yeah. no i proper loved it and i hope they make some more 
Yeah, me too. I, I've never played a Crash Bandicoot game. Fuck, man. I've How? never played it. I'd never played it. My family was an Xbox family from like when I was growing up. So I, I never got to play like Crash Bandicoot and, and everything like that. We had like a PS2, but then my dad sold it to get the original Xbox. And like after that, we were just straight Xbox constantly. And then right. the, the first PlayStation I actually got after that was the PlayStation 3. But I never, played, I never played it. The only, t- the only time I ever played Crash Bandicoot was that level in Uncharted where you play it. <laughs> and that's it. That's the that's the closest oh. I've ever got to Crash Bandicoot as a game. Fucking missed out, man. Is there any like games that you played recently you think are a bit underrated? Uh, recently, I've not really. Through the last year, uh, when lockdown first started, all I was playing were Fortnite. But then <laughs> after that, um, I stopped gaming. I haven't really. Oh no! I, I, after Fortnite, I started playing Fall Guys for a bit. Oh yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, because that was summer before I started uni again and we're in lockdown and they're all my housemates in the house and we plugged our two TVs next to each other and we're both just playing it in the same lobby next to each other. It was well fun. But uh, then when uni started, I never just stopped gaming really. But recently I bought The Evil Within. Oh, it's a sick game. I've never played that or seen anything about it and I've been enjoying that. No, it's really good. What the fuck happened to Fall Guys though? Like when in summer it was like a big fad and everyone was playing it. I remember playing it. There's even like the pixel bar in Leeds. They did like a thing. So if you won on Fall Guys, you'd get like a few free shots. And I was like, oh fuck, need to get that. Never did that. I don't think I won once. It's so hard. Oh, I did a few times. Not any more than like five, I'm guessing. But I went on it again. There's still going, but still people playing it. But it's nowhere near as popular. But I, I enjoy playing it. You know, I, I remember seeing it like constantly. What was that fucking? What remember that fa- like video chat app that came out like round about the first time of lockdown where you could play games on it? That died off quickly, didn't it? Like, I think we all like did like a um, it was like a FaceTime game where you could all play at the oh, same yeah, time. House yeah, house pie. That fucking died so quick, didn't it? <laughs> I think it was, was that the one that like had a lot of hacking issues? So like loads of people were yeah, getting no, scammed or something? There was like a, a story each week that someone got all like the details stolen from House Pie. Shit. Yeah, no, it's it, fucking, it. because I remember like memes coming out like when lockdown first happened, it was like the creators of House Pie, they're like raking it in with fucking money and that, but then it like it fucking died like pretty much instantly. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah, no, like, I, I can't remember it because it's like, I remembered it, but I couldn't remember its name because I think I used it like twice and then like, that was it. Um, What was like um, the inspiration to start Expressionless then? Like what, what sort of like brought you to starting it? Uh, one of them, the It Stays the Same, the first track was a song that I demoed out that could have potentially been a track for Milan UK. But um, I remember just wanting to like do it myself for some reason. I, I can't remember what, I don't, I don't think there were even a reason why I wanted to put my own voice on it. I just felt the urge to just throw myself at it. And then I'm glad I did really. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, like you, you, it's done so well. Like I remember, what, what was it like 10K streams that you got? From nah, like the release, yeah. Oh no, but it's still. I, I thought it was amazing that you like the amount that you got. Like it's like what we were saying though. Like on Saturday, like whether it's a hundred ten or a thousand, it's still sick that someone listens to it. Like it's it's always the same feeling no matter what. Yeah, the fact that there were even ten people on Spotify listening to it, like that's amazing to me. Yeah, no, it, it's such a, it's a, I can't, it's an indescribable feeling because it feels like you finally like, cause especially when you've spent months like mulling over like the tracks when you finally get it out there and you yeah. just see that even if it, if it goes up by one, you're like, I've done it. Someone liked it. You know what I mean, like, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's so good. Yeah, you write music because you love doing that and it's fun to you and you do that in the styles you want. So then just the fact that people want to hear that is no no better feeling to me. Yeah, no, it's it's just like, it's unreal. Like It's one of those things that you can't describe it until someone does it and they're like, I get what you fucking mean now. Like it's it's intoxicating. Like the minute you release something, 
you then want to release something new so you can chase the feeling again and being like, oh, I can't wait for him to hear the new stuff. And like you're constantly chasing that feeling and it's like when it happens, it's such an unreal feeling. And like for the next couple of weeks, you're on fucking like, like you're just walking around like proper happy and then the minute like that feeling stops right right start to fucking write again so you can you can release another one like it's just amazing yeah next step just see how people react to that gig next year i oh, yeah. I, I think you're gonna get a good reaction i mean i'm gonna go to it you know yeah, i'll go to it as well you know for yeah. fact me siobhan and all that will be there come and have a sing-along <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel the same about the podcast though like you know when me and Nathan proper started taking it seriously in January you know for a while it felt like nothing was really taking off like we were enjoying doing the episodes but we wanted to see some return for it and like recently I'm like Nathan look at the Spotify look at the streams and all that and then like because on the YouTube it doesn't always do as well but on this on like Spotify and streaming services like that seems to be where most people are going for it now so like I'm proper satisfied with the trend line that's going up now is like finally yeah no, it, it's, all... it's gotten to the it's gotten to the point where i i regret like a good 80 percent of the podcast we did before interviews but i'm like i wish we just started <laughs> doing interviews straight away like nathan begs me to like delete the first episode he's like yeah, no, please I, I, i've asked you about a million times to delete the first three to be fucking honest like... yeah but it's memories now though isn't it yeah but fuck it i, I hate them now i don't think they're <laughs> as good as the, all the other ones but you should always keep your old content because then people know where you've come from. And it's like, true. this is how it started. This is the progression. True. That is true to be fair. Yeah, no, it, 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 is, it has been fun. Yeah, exactly. So do you have like, a, so do you have any hobbies and interests outside of music then? And obviously you've mentioned a few things already. Um, but is there any like hobbies and interests that people don't know about you? Yeah. Uh, most people probably do, but I collect a lot of tapes and records and CDs and band merch, like Nathan was saying earlier. Probably got too much at this point. <laughs> um, apart from that, I just spend a lot of time listening to music, to be honest. I love trying to find new albums, especially through the start of lockdown. I was making this big playlist full of a lot of the stuff I've never even heard before, trying to find new bands. Uh, I've recently started skateboarding again. Uh, and skated in ages. I started and then I broke my wrist and then oh, shit. stopped for a while and then just got back literally in the last couple of weeks, started that again. Uh, I, I literally remember when you broke your wrist because I remember seeing the message on the group chat. Oh, you were awful. No, because it was like in the middle, it was like sort of like middle of the night ish. You were like, I've just broke my wrist. And we were like, How? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a night. What happens? Uh, Basically, I went to see Not Loose and Malevolence in Manchester. Uh, I was there having a good time and then Malevolence were playing. And I basically ended up just getting pushed over and fell on the floor and my wrist just crumbled underneath me. Oh, uh, man. The band was still playing at the time, so I just stood up and put my like hand in my pocket because it was hurting. Um, and then as soon as their set finished, which I think they're on the last song anyway, but I took my hand out of my pocket and looked at it and it was just all like... I me- no, I remember seeing the photo. I remember seeing the photo. It's like burnt in my head. Because it's like, yeah, it was literally like, it's just like that. Like it was just, it was so I'm like out of place. Yeah, I'm going to find it now while we're talking. But then uh, we left that gig and we walked to the hospital, uh, went to the shop and I remember <laughs> having to get my friends to open my bottle <laughs> My bottle of pop for me because I couldn't do it myself <laughs> and then shout out to my housemates that came and picked me up at 3am but yeah that wasn't good and then I'm nearly there now it's about you <laughs> I hope you're not trying to find it <laughs> yeah you are no, right but... pictures like this yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no it was it, 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 because I, I I remember it like, because I, I just remember the message and, like, I think I would wish you on at the time, like, like, at a house. And I was like, shit, is Braddon okay? Like, like, fuck, he's broke his fucking wrist. It was scary, though, because we had a few gigs sort of lined up, which uh, one of them got cancelled. But the one that did carry on, I ended up, I was like a third vocalist for Milan UK. And, but I, I found it. I, you can't, oh, it's not focusing on that, but. No, you can sort of see that line though. Yeah, if you send it over to me after the, 
if you send it over to me after the podcast, we'll put like a little edit up on screen. Like yeah, yeah. If you're okay with your with your risk going up, yeah, we'll put it on. Yeah. But yeah, you know, on, you know what was mad as well. You know, like going back to the tape thing. Do you remember like Secret Santa last year? Because I remember, so I remember when I got the um, the Secret Santa gift through, and I opened it, and it was a the cryptic shift um, cassette, and I was like, I was on the phone to Siobhan, like, did you order something to mine? And like, <laughs> I forgot that we were doing Secret Santa. I was there, like, it just says from your cosmic uh, Secret Santa, and I was there, like, she like, oh, it's your Secret Santa from like the group chat. I was like, oh yeah, shit. But I remember being like, who? could have got me and i was like it had to be Braddon. so i remember when it like revealed that you were like i fucking knew it <laughs> yeah i don't know um i couldn't think of what to get you and then i was thinking of the bands that i knew you liked and i think you did a, a photo of theirs or something that got used yeah no we, we i did a, a photo that got used on some of the merch but we also like interviewed them on the podcast like the yeah, we did, before. Yeah. that was our first um, one yeah that, that was our first one but i i've still got i've still got it like on display and lot because yeah. I, I thought it was sick. So again, thank you for getting me that. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Uh, mate, I fucking love it. I bought a, I bought a cassette player as well just so I could listen to it. Have you? Yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, best best, best secret fun. Santa gift gift I ever got. To be fair. Yeah. I probably listen to my tapes more than my vinyl more at, at this point. Do you think? I know that, yeah, I know they're probably not like well, definitely not as good sound quality. But just a lot of smaller bands put tapes out that sort of vinyl's a bit too out there at the moment. So I've got probably some of my favorite albums on tapes that I haven't got on record. It's What's a bit like more accessible you... as well, isn't it? Yeah. What What would you say is like your top ten like vinyls that you're on? Oh, that's I don't even have them here to look at right now. <laughs> <laughs> you could do top five if it's easier. Oh, top five probably. Uh. I'm going to say these in no order because I'm probably going to think of more that I can't think of, but definitely a body bag at the end of time because I absolutely love that album. Uh, no Zodiac, Constant Decay. Uh, oh, that's such a tough question. <laughs> uh, Cauldron, Last Words. I have the limited, it's got like a Star Wars cover on the front of that, which I love. Uh Oh, I feel put on the spot. I'd probably say I am. Uh, yeah, no, I remember when you got the I am one. Yeah, because I got that. I think that was their last one at that gig. Yeah, I think that, that was the last gig I'd been to as well. Like That was the last yeah. ever gig where I went to. Were it? Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I regretted not getting the vinyl because I remember I went, I, I remember when you, like, you, you shared it on your store. I'm like, I should have got one with him. Because <laughs> it looks fucking sick. And then I'd probably have I said four or three. I said four, and I yeah four. I'd probably say <laughs> ask Alexandria stand up and scream. I got that for record store day last year, and that's probably like my all time favorite album, if I'm honest. Definitely. Well, y- you have got like a fucking sick vinyl collection. To be fair, the Gulch, the Gulch vinyl that I've, that you've got, I'm so jealous of. Because it's like a variation on the one that I've got, but it just it's just so much nicer. <laughs> That's the thing though, with vinyl, you gotta buy them all, aren't you? Well yeah, I know because I remember you got like the proper rare one, didn't you? You got like was it the Evil Greed, um the Evil Greed Limited edition one? Three hundred of them, I think. Yeah, because I, I just got the standard one from Rising Merch. Cause I tried getting the Evil Greed one, I was like, bastard, they're sold out. <laughs> Well, nice it's white white and blue that one is that you've got yeah no it's white it's well on one side it's like white and blue like with the swirls and then the other side it's uh it's black with white swirls nice. um so it's it's pretty fucking it's it is a really good vinyl to be fair were you confused yeah. when you like you played yours and you flipped it and it was the record again because i was confused as fuck mate <laughs> i think yeah I, th- I, th- I think i was when i'm thinking back yeah, because I, 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 like, I swear I've just heard that. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I remember I listened to it and being like, that's like the second track to like like the end of the album. What the fuck's on the other side? I remember turning it with the, with the album again. I was like, bastards. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is like 
a couple bands that you've been listening to at the minute that you believe are like really underrated? Oh, probably uh, Bun Dem Out, the sort of metallic hardcore beatdown band. Uh, that's got Pelboo on vocals. I did the guest vocals for my Expressionless tune. Um, they're probably one of my favourite bands at the moment. Um, I'd love to have one of their albums on record one day. And ooh, what, what else have we been listening to? A Split Knuckle, I'd probably say. Um, oh, yeah, they're... Split Knuckle. Split Knuckle is sick. Yeah, so good, but probably deserve to be way bigger than they are. Oh, yeah. No, because like, I, I think listening to Split Knuckle, like, they're easily like probably one of the best British hardcore bands going at the minute like by far like because they just got like a really good sound to them i can't right place it do i mean like they sound they sound like split knuckle yeah got a question for you what's your two sort of top five like records you've got um i've got them right in front of me as well so i can't just pick them out (laughs) uh i'd say my number one's my gulch one because i i love that album uh i'd say my number two is the picture disc of Behemoth that I've got. Uh, my number three is probably the Mad Ball one that Brad got me. Um, and then <laughs> it's kind of like three albums, but like it's all by the same band. Every I've got almost every album by the... Actually, I've got every album by Idols on vinyl. And then probably my Higher Power one. Yeah. Which so those album? are... Uh, my Higher Power... The newest one. You know, 27, it's 27 Miles Under. I, I can't remember his name, but I'd I yeah, no, I, I, what that looks like. Yeah, no, that, that's a good one. I'd, I'd, I'll have a it's six on as well. I've got Gate Creeper Deserted on on vinyl, and it's limited to three hundred copies. So that that's like one of my rarest. Here's the question though: like, Are we basing it on aesthetics of the vinyl itself, or are we basing it on the content of the vinyl? Because like that could oh, be two different ones. <laughs> okay, <laughs> talking like nicest looking. Um, oh. Probably number one would be the green marble one that Nathan got me of Mastodon. Oh, that's a proper nice looking one. Um, I've got this one from like this black metal fur band called Mirka, and it's like ice, icy blue. That's yeah. nice. Um, I've got an Ishan one, which is like a splatter, like black and splatter. And I really like my sleep token one as well, because that's like gray like a really nice grey and see-through and like the back is like a different shade of grey. Could say, is it 50 shades of grey? 50 shades of grey, yeah. (laughs) Um, Fucking hell. I have a few picture discs as well. Um, Quite like our Cryptic Shift one, the newest album, yeah, because that's a picture disc of the artwork. Yeah. And there's a picture disc of the the newest RPF album. So yeah, probably them. If we're talking like content of the vinyl that i'll probably be here all day so I press us wrap it up for that one yeah no i i got so i always i always say on the podcast i like kind of regret getting brad into vinyl because i shit you know i i i was like oh just you know like get a vinyl player it's sick and i i showed him what it sounds like and he's like he ended up getting one and like later on that night he's like i spent 100 quid on vinyl I'm like how yeah so it begins <laughs> so most of the paycheck goes yeah, no, you. I haven't bought any new vinyl in like I'd say three, four months. Really? Notes, yeah, notes popping out to me at the minute. Oh, two days ago for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> as soon as I got paid no, but, on Friday, I was like, yeah, let's get some more. For me, like notes popping out, and if the stuff that I want, I can't get in the UK. Or like, if I try to import it, it's so much money to import it. Where I'm like, it's not really worth waiting for god knows how long to hope to god that my fucking vinyl isn't either warped or smashed by the time it gets there or spend like 30 quid in in shipping so like i'd say i want to i want to see if i can find a drain one i really want to get something by drain um i really really want to get you know god's hate want to get that ep done um and those are the ones that i've sort of found that i know i can get in the uk now um, but there's, I, there's loads of other ones that I don't that I don't I can't get. Can I pick an additional one? Because I forgot about my Shadow of Intent one, which is like a Cobalt Blue one. But if we're talking content and aesthetics, that's like equally buff up there for me. Which album's that one? Um, is it Reclaimer? 
Is that the one with the, is it a castle on the front? Or the... It's one that looks like a Halo game cover or something. It's like blue. I think it's called, Re- I think the album's called Reclaim. It's the one before uh, Melancholy. Yeah. Oh, so, I think it's really Fucking so good. Oh, yeah. No, I, um, I quite like Shadow Intent. I'd get some of their vinyl. Like, I reckon I'd probably get some of theirs. Um, I, I, I'm finding it really hard to find albums that really, really pop out to me enough to be able to get them on vinyl. Because I'm going through like a bit of a rut with music at the minute. Like, I find myself, I'm, I'm listening to like the same sort of bands. I'm not discovering anyone new yet anymore because I feel like I've, I've every other band that I discover, like, I've either listened to before or like, I've not, or they think, I think they sound like another band. So I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's just been a constant state of listening to, like, the same stuff, really. I think you're being too picky, bro. Just need to get into I'm, it. I'm not being too picky. <laughs> I, I have rinsed everything on Spotify. <laughs> what are your current listens, then? Uh, a lot of Gatecreeper, a lot of Fuming Mouth. Uh, who did it? Who was I listening to just before I came on here? Let me just bring up my Spotify really quickly. Um, there was a band that, fuck it, it's like an old 90s death metal band. That I thought was fucking sick. Um, can't find it. Oh wait, yeah, uh, Mortif- not Mortiferum. Um, like it was kind of like a slammy death metal band. Been listening to them; they were pretty good. Um, a lot. I've been listening to a lot of Sleep Talking recently. Awesome. Um, and then there's a bit of country in there as well. So that's mainly what I've been listening to. I've flip back between like country or ambient sort of shit as well gotta, gotta keep it real um so yeah we are getting to sort of the end point of the interview now which i know you watch the podcast and a big support so you probably know the last segment but uh what advice would you give to younger self just starting out and what advice would you give to a, a new band just you know wanting to get in the playing field uh just enjoy everything that you're doing uh if you're not find something you enjoy doing Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's all. That's all you. That's all you really need to know, isn't it? Really, just enjoy it. Yeah. It's like it's probably it's easily the, the most important part of it. Like you, you know, like it. The thing is, like you could be in like probably one of the biggest, best bands in the world, but if you don't enjoy it, then there's no point. Like, and it is good advice. Money is the point, isn't it? But oh, yeah, yeah, but like. <laughs> I can't, like, I can't imagine like Metallica's ever sat there going, I tell you what, I fucking hate writing this shit. You know I, mean? like, <laughs> I, I can't imagine they do. Like, it's, I, I think, like, part of it, part of like feeling like you're successful is also related to enjoying what you do. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like if you don't enjoy it, then you'll never see how well, well it's doing. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you for continuing to support the podcast. Um, loved your work in my line. You were great live then, and I'm excited to see you in Expressionless as well in February. So me and Nathan will get tickets and come down. Yeah, yeah I'm making you. sure I'll come down. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. Pleasure. All right, catching a bit, man. <laughs>